very often feel like people are just cuter cubby. Listener, if you're curious, I probably think you're cuter as you are. Stay fat. Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Seduso. Join our descent into villainy. Hello. Welcome back, evildoers. Welcome to another episode. I am super, I don't know if hype's the right word, but I am very intrigued by (laughs) today's topic, if you want to let them know what we're up to today. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Ozempic. Mm. And also just diet culture as a whole, but the bulk of this is about Ozempic. So if you've been hearing about that, we're going to really get into it today. I just want y'all to know there's like Vietnam flashback warplane videos like overlaid on my face right now. Like it's just... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should start there actually. Do you want to explain the inspiration for this episode? Maybe how this topic is relevant to us (laughs) picture it the doctor's office 2023 and i had this cardiologist that i actually really liked like he was super sweet he'd come and he'd take my hand and he'd like bow to me be like thank you for being here today Mm -hmm. i was like wow what a sweet doctor what a kind man i like Um, this man and then the last time i went in they told me that my tests were normal that my heart monitor was normal even though it got taken off a day early because i was allergic to the adhesive but that's a different story that they're like yep can't find anything wrong so uh diet and exercise you should just be losing weight at this point to take care of your high blood pressure that has started after you've been 200 pounds all of your adult life but only this year but that's fine and then he went so far as to be like if you need help there's a nutritionist and they can even use ozempic to help you lose weight (laughs) and i was like because once upon a time, I was a certified pharmacy tech, so I've heard of Ozempic, but in the context of diabetics, yeah. <laughs> it was an insulin pen we had in the fridge for people with type 2 diabetes. So I was like, um? And so, you know, sometimes medicines get developed and then they realize it works better for something else, sure, but it feels a little too closely related yeah. to me. To be like, that's not what happened there. It's not like they tried to make a heart pill and ended up with Viagra. Like, that's different. <laughs> that's different. So, and then I, you know, informed him. was like, hey, I actually have this other condition. He's like, oh, that would make it worse. I'm like, no fucking shit. Y'all didn't ask me anything, so you don't know shit. But I digress. So that was frustrating, to say the least. And so off I went. To do research about Ozempic. And I'm going to share some of what I found. We're just going to bless Jefferson Health right now. (laughs) (laughs) Who also is the same hospital that almost killed me in March, so. Ah, yes. That might be a different topic in a different day. That might have to be a whole different story. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe. Ozempic. What is it? Just baseline. So Ozempic is generically known as semaglutide. 
and it was approved in 2017 by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. You know, those guys are friends. Your Boo. best friend, the FDA. Boo! <laughs> Queen of garbage! <laughs> and it was approved for use in adults with type 2 diabetes. Remember that? <laughs> and I am not diabetic. Let me just make that clear, too. I'm not diabetic. Yes. So, Ozempic is a weekly injection that's supposed to help lower blood sugar by helping the pancreas make more insulin so it isn't insulin in and of itself but it's supposed to like encourage insulin production and we'll get into how it does that later but that's what it's meant to do and that's why it's for diabetics you get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and your doctor prescribes you ozempic maybe because you're not taking many other medications and you don't want to try insulin immediately. Insulin has other side effects. There are reasons a diabetic might be on this medication, okay? The way I'm seeing red so fast <laughs> already. Just... That's the standard by the book story. Now, doctors are allowed to prescribe you things not as they are approved by the FDA. Which is crazy. Yes. <laughs> They can use, like, their discretion if they believe that something will help you. I want to take a moment to talk about the pharmaceutical industry, like, as a whole. Before I get into the meat of it, do you have any, like, preliminary thoughts? I wish I could smoke weed still, but otherwise, (laughs) I just... I think it's interesting, like, having conversations like this, both as somebody who's been in the doctor's office since birth, and then also somebody who worked as a certified pharmacy tech, I just, ooh, this just gets me heated so fast. And then now, even as, like, a fat person, like, I've had doctors tell me, oh, yeah, I need to lose weight. Oh, try this diet. But to go and recommend Ozempic, I think, is just a new level to me that I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Like, Yeah. But, yeah, just... And the pharmaceutical industry at large, like, they just, it's really a money game. Like, they do not care about the long-term effects at all. Like, yeah, I don't even know. I remember a doctor prescribing me a muscle relaxer to just be on chronically. And another doctor be like, that's going to give you liver damage? So doctors just have so much free reign and no oversight. And it, I don't know. It's just a mess. And it, it's making me frustrated. But <laughs> <laughs> It is definitely a mess. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I learned a lot about conflicts of interest today. (laughs) Mind you, I already kind of had an idea what that was, but in the context of like a physician industry relationship, this shit is crazy. So payments by the pharmaceutical industry to physicians is the most common form of a physician industry relationship. And it's most commonly in the form of cash. And this is straight up from a scholarly source. And it's meant to be looking at this more favorably, if that makes sense. Like, it's supposed to be neutral. So this source, like, justifies it by being, like, the cash is for consulting services and lectures and payment for travel and accommodations. But the thing is, is that (laughs) pharmaceutical companies just offer ridiculous rates to do these things so on paper it looks like oh this company is paying you for a lecture but really this company that has currently had a drug recently approved right wants a doctor to push that product to patients and so they hire that doctor 
for a ridiculously high paying gig and they say oh we're just paying them for that when really it's just a bribe like can we be real <laughs> it's giving the article was like look they're friends that's so nice like and it's right like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably dead ass what happened with that doctor that tried to prescribe me Raylar because like yeah. what the fuck was that so yeah the fact that they can just give them cash is crazy yes and like this was by frontiers in public health it was published in the pubmed central in the national library of medicine and it's a policy brief or it's supposed to be like a review to have policy recommendations around pharmaceutical industry physician relationships but it's supposed to be like scientific, it's supposed to be like neutral, so they can't just be like, this is a bribe. But yeah, in it, they also mention that excluding scientific research funding, $3.6 billion were going to physicians and teaching hospitals as payments in 2019. Do what? $3.6 billion. <laughs> <laughs> and this is excluding money from scientific research funding. This is not that money. This is other money. In case you're sitting there thinking, oh, well, there's like a lot of money that goes into funding research. Not no. that money. No. This is minus that money. <laughs> and, and another thing, a million seconds is 12 minutes. A billion seconds is 30 years. Like, that's the scale we're talking. I want you all to keep that in mind. A billion's yeah. a crazy fucking number. Like, yeah. Also. No. <laughs> Make it stop. Uh, some of it comes in as non-cash gifts, like meals, literal presents, stocks, and licenses. Licenses? Also, also, 90% of pharmaceutical companies' advertising costs are allocated to physicians and other prescribers 90 yes 90 percent and again we've got our statistics our little science hats on that's probably an under report because uh, our source has incentive to under report remember uh, <laughs> even they are admitting to 90 percent <laughs> them admitting to 90 percent is crazy you should have lied more like you're doing this wrong also also Oh my God. So the fact that pharmaceuticals can make a profit's already crazy, mm -hmm. already crazy. And also the other part of this is that not only was I a pharmacy tech, I'm a pharmacy tech who's been laid off before mm -hmm. specifically because they didn't have the funds. And so they randomized it by like store. And so some people, it was like truly random. Some people, it was the newest people. So for our mm -hmm. stores, the two newest people, Literally because people couldn't afford their insulin. And you're telling me that 90% of this money is going to bribe doctors. While pharmacy, like there was pharmacy managers who'd worked there 20 plus years getting laid off. Like people were getting laid off because people couldn't afford their medication to pay for yeah. these bribes. Like I, I, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a mess. And it has real life consequences that we should really be aware of and talking about more. But I feel like people are not critiquing the pharmaceutical industry enough. Not even a little. It's not loud enough. I need y'all to make some noise. <laughs> but other consequences of this is an increased use in certain brand name drugs. Okay, this is studied. Increased prescription of medicines produced by paying companies. This is a strong correlation. And preference and a rapid prescription of new drugs. So things will come off the market and all of a sudden they are the big thing that every doctor is recommending high. Mm. This is not coincidence. And a study 
in the U.S. specifically showed that every 10% increase in these pharmaceutical industry payments to physicians is associated with a 1.3% increase in medical costs that are paid by, like, American people, and also a 1.8% increase in drug costs. So they pay doctors more, and that is associated with an increase in costs for consumers. <laughs> like, they literally pay doctors more because they're like, we'll just make the money back from all the people buying medicine. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just... They were like, yeah, so all those pharmacy techs can watch people choose between groceries or medication. That's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> If you're interested in reading more about this no. described here... No, but... Sorry, go ahead. Definitely check out the journal that I mentioned in the National Library of Medicine. If you're a college student or something, you probably have free access to this. If you're not, you can probably go to the library and have access to this in PubMed. That's the most popular journal. But the article itself is called Interaction Between Physicians and the Pharmaceutical Industry, a Scoping Review for Developing a Policy Brief. <laughs> it's a real spicy paper. I wish I could just talk about it all, but that would take a million years. <laughs> and now our four-hour episode of Coming Out Evil. <laughs> but yeah, just to segue out of that and into Ozempic specifically, the shadiness of Ozempic's website in and of itself. I don't know if you looked at the screenshot, but I think that it's so hilarious that one of the three bullets on the main page is Ozempic may help you lose some weight and right under it in a slightly smaller font, it says Ozempic is not a weight loss drug. Uh-uh. Let's talk about it. Uh-uh. <laughs> because they have to say that. Because they are not approved as a weight loss drug. Uh, they are approved for diabetics. But they can promote that because only doctors are not allowed to promote a drug not as its purpose to the FDA. The company itself, they can say that as long as they say it's not that drug. Like, you can literally say, this drug may help you do X. This is not an X drug. Like, that's literally perfectly legal. And also, the doctors can't promote it that way, but they can be like, oh, I can prescribe it for this, though. Yeah. Like, what? so what, what, what? <laughs> Ooh, Ricky, what I catch you. <laughs> it's set up weird. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Want to support our passion project? Become a member on Patreon today. Are you ready to talk about this in relation to affect people as a whole? As ready as I'm gonna be. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I just, I wasn't expecting that Ozempic itself isn't the only drug that is like semaglutide on the market. So Ozempic like we said before, is approved as a drug for people with type 2 diabetes, but its active ingredient is semaglutide, which is FDA approved at higher doses for, and this is just a quote, individuals living with obesity and other weight-related medical problems. And that drug is under the name Wagovi. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so Wagovi is a higher dose of semaglutide. Basically, that's the difference between the two. That it's 2.4 milligrams versus 0.5 milligram doses, 1 milligram doses, or 2 milligram doses of Ozempic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, people don't have this other drug, Wigovi, available like under insurance. And so instead, they get prescribed Ozempic, which has the same active ingredient. So yeah. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> but there are definitely a lot of associated risks, which I actually think is a great segue for the fact that I looked at the drug informational pages. Mm-hmm for each of these drugs and the ones that are meant for type 2 diabetics so that's ribelsis tablets and ozempic those are for diabetics they will have loss of appetite under the associated like symptoms or the side effects but the one that has the higher concentration of the active ingredient does not have that as a side effect because it is what it's for is to cause the loss of appetite. Like, the difference between them is simply that Wigovi is causing the side effects, like, in a way more dramatic way. It's a side effect of what it's actually doing, which is mimicking a natural gut hormone called glucagon, like peptide 1, which is normally released in response to food. Like, normally you eat something... And that's when your body produces this hormone. But these drugs just come in and they pretend they're them. (laughs) It causes a whole bunch of upset. So it's like you're taking this weight loss drug, but it's doing a whole bunch more. Like the fact that it's stimulating insulin production is not like gone just because you're taking it at a higher dose. Those things are still happening. All the things that are happening to treat a type 2 diabetic are still happening to you when you take this. And if you don't have type 2 diabetes, that's bad for you. You will have hypoglycemia. (laughs) It's not good. Also, I... Oh my god, I just... The fact that... Wow. So it was a medication where originally... I guess I'm not entirely sure on the timeline, but that for some, it's like, ah, this is a side effect. But then for the Wagovi, they're like, oh no, this is the main effect. Yes. <laughs> Being the loss of appetite. So they're like, yes, that's how you lose weight, the loss of appetite. But it's like, I already eat twice a day. Like, and this goes back to our conversation with like disordered eating and fat people. And it's like, yeah, you all are not connecting that I'm already not eating enough and yet the weight is staying there. So something else is happening here. Like, I just... That's- True. There's also that so many doctors tout like diet and exercise, diet and exercise. Just because you're reducing someone's appetite doesn't mean you're changing like the foods their diet is composed of. Someone eating less doesn't matter if all they eat is Oreos, for example. Like, <laughs> you need to ask questions and figure out what the problem is. It's probably the Oreos. Like, <laughs> I'm only eating 1,200 calories a day on the Nabisco diet. <laughs> Not the Nabisco diet. <laughs> no more green smoothie cleanses. Just uh, cleanse. <laughs> no, but yeah. <laughs> Semaglutide does so much more in the body than affects your appetite. In fact, the only reason it's affecting your appetite is because it's slowing the emptying of your stomach. It is literally making your stomach empty slower, which will make you feel fuller, faster, and for longer. And it's also like 
affecting your hypothalamus it's reducing cravings by making you produce that hormone or rather being like an agonist for the receptors are just wide open and they're producing it and (laughs) it's absurd so they're giving you gastroparesis it's literally where it takes a longer time than normal to empty your stomach i got tested for it earlier this year Interesting. Do you remember that test where I had to eat the egg sandwich with the dye in it and they saw oh, how long yeah. it took? That was for gastroparesis, oh. which the weed thing that I have can cause. So I think at one point I did suffer from some similar symptoms. Oh. But the fact that this medication is causing that on purpose, which, again, for somebody with IBS, is crazy. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> And even if you are diabetic, the side effects and definitely if you're not diabetic but the side effects of these medications are pancreatitis hypoglycemia acute kidney damage diabetic retinopathy which is vision issues due to diabetes and acute gallbladder disease yeah (laughs) i just the way there's so many red flags with this medication especially with my medical history and family medical history, every adult in my family has had their gallbladder removed. Every mm. single one. It's like, y'all didn't ask about nothing! Like, Yeah, the gallbladder issues are definitely alarming because these side effects aren't uncommon in the clinical trials. Like, they're, you know, they're a significant percentage of people. And, like, so normally when you eat, just so we all understand, <laughs> okay, what's supposed to happen, you're eating something, okay? Your body goes, ooh, that was food and so your blood sugar goes up because you just ate something and the sugar in whatever you ate is going straight to your red blood cells in your brain and the excess is chilling in your red blood cells your body's like oh shit and so the insulin comes out and helps you turn that sugar into energy that's what it's for okay that's what's supposed to happen and so when that starts happening that spike in your blood sugar it goes back down and that's how like someone with regulated blood sugar would regulate their blood sugar, right? It's like a little, I don't know, upside down parabola almost. I forget the actual name for Oh, for yeah, it. no. But, yeah, it's a sinusoidal? That sounds right. Whatever. It peaks. <laughs> okay. It bell peaks. curve situation? Yeah, one of those. <laughs> okay, it's a bell curve. You got it. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's supposed to happen. And basically, Ozempic comes in or semaglutide in general because all of these things are semaglutide comes in and it essentially like keeps your blood sugar spike from happening in the first place and also stimulates your pancreas to release the hormone that's normally released after you eat so it's disrupting that process a lot and because of that if you take it you need to be on it forever like your body gets used to that and so then you need to be on it forever (laughs) oh my god yeah just for the sake of having me lose some weight this is crazy it's pretty wacky especially especially since there's currently a shortage of ozempic oh my fucking god So the drug that is the higher dose, Wagovi, Wagovi got so popular when it came out that there was just like a natural shortage. They were running out of it. And so doctors started prescribing Ozempic because it's basically the same thing as like an alternative to Wagovi. So with the higher dose, there's more weight loss, but there's also more side effects. So you have to be on a really high dose of Ozempic 
to like mimic the doses of Wagovi, it gets really funky. It gets really funky. And also, also, the company that's producing the drug is definitely not prioritizing the people who want to take it because they actually started limiting just how much they would produce in general to accommodate the shifting demand. They started saying that the lower doses, because it comes in like tiers, they started restricting the lower doses. So basically only people who were already on high doses could get access to it. And everyone who wanted to start to be on it, like basically didn't have access. So it's just, yeah, it's really messy. And so people are trying to be on Ozempic instead, but that's making there be a shortage, even for people who are diabetics who need the Ozempic. (laughs) So, yeah. The stakes are a little lower if you were just taking it for weight loss if you stop because you will simply gain the weight back. Though for many people that feels like a tragedy. (laughs) But yeah, better than being diabetic and not having your medicine. Also, also... I can tell you right now, when a doctor hears something of a low dose is in short supply or on back order, they're like, oh, here's this higher dose one, break the pill in half. Mm-hmm. Or enter half the injection. Like, they literally don't care. So they're doing that with the logic of, oh, the higher ones will go to the people who need it. They won't keep adding people to the roster. Doctors won't mm-hmm. keep... But then doctors will literally just be like, oh, just buy the higher dose one and break it up. Like, yeah. they don't care. <laughs> they they don't. don't fucking care. They never gave a shit. <laughs> Yes. One of the issues with this too is that like if you have to go off of it, then you might end up not only like regaining the weight, but you might also wind up weight cycling if you developed bad habits around food while you were on it. And weight cycling is definitely not great for your health. And also, I just can't imagine too if it's interrupting like the process of like you getting the blood sugar spike that leads to energy. That sounds like, one, a recipe for fatigue, and two, yeah, for some bad food habits to, like... Yeah. Or, like, caffeine, or, like, there's so many things, and then suddenly you're off this, and now you've, like, tried to accommodate for the fatigue with this, like... Yeah, it's a mess, because the only reason that Ozempic or Wagovi or whatever causes people to lose weight is because it makes people lose their appetite and people are eating less when they take it. That is the only reason. The only reason is because people are eating less when they're on it. Well, I want you to understand <laughs> that people are all taking this drug because they are trying to turn off their body's cues that they're hungry on purpose. On purpose. What? <laughs> it's just like every person here is the manifestation of a line of ancestors of humans who have evolved to the point to survive this long. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Literally sitting around like, how can I make my tummy feel full of food, not full of food? Mm, Like, what? The face you did with that, I wish y'all could have seen it. Just talking and then looking up, like, not full of food. Like, I don't don't know how to describe it. It was just, it was perfect is what it was. It's a mess. Also, also, to, to be shallow, people have complained about looking older after being on this medication for a while something called the Wagovi or Ozempic face. (laughs) Because for whatever reason, this medication will cause you to lose weight disproportionately in your face. Oh, so your skin starts sagging. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. 
Is it really worth not being fat? Is it really that serious? It can't be. And the thing is that when you lose weight in general, if you do it slowly, healthily, your skin will generally like take its time to retract up with you. It'll move with you. Especially if you're building muscle and whatnot, like it'll, you know. It'll work with you. But if you rush and you lose it all at once, your skin's like, whoa there, I was not ready for that. <laughs> Now what's it gonna do? It didn't have time to retract with you. You done moved on without it. Why would you do that? Just like you were so worried about being fat and now you have a different problem like that yeah. you're dealing with. Like I don't think you wanted this either and your skin definitely didn't want it either. Nobody's happy now. Like no. Also, I'm sorry, Govi can cause suicidal ideation. Oh, I did forget to say that. I'm I sorry. Are <laughs> I'm sorry, are we? Yeah, so the only difference between the side effects for Wagovi and Ozempic, besides like where loss of appetite was on the page itself, was also that for whatever reason, Wagovi caused suicidal ideation. That was not in the other ones. I very much suspect a correlation situation happening yeah. where like, if you really went through it all, to get the Wagovi, the in-demand, low-supply Wagovi, you probably care a lot about losing that weight. Yeah, and then with you talking about the Wagovi face, too, if somebody's like, I need to do this, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they're looking older faster, like, mm-hmm. I, it's looking like a recipe for something not cute. Yeah, like <laughs> very not cute. And I very often feel like people are just cuter tubby. You know, in my opinion, you are probably cuter. Listener, if you're curious, I probably think you're cuter as you are. Stay fat. Fur. <laughs> for me. <laughs> the eligibility for these medications is also really funky. Whether or not your insurance is going to cover it is really up in the air, especially if you're taking them for weight loss. Like, your insurance might just be like, no. <laughs> Which I'm sure Medicaid is like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. there's no way they're going to cover that. Literally. Supposedly, if you're using this for weight loss, the eligibility is a BMI, our friend the BMI, Ugh. of 30 or above, or a BMI of 27 or above, if you also have a co-occurring condition that's chronic. Oh. Ah, yeah, so it's kind of unsafe even for diabetics, low-key. Oh, my God. Because during the clinical trials, a small percentage of study volunteers actually developed new or worsening retinopathy, which is associated with diabetes. But, like, normally if you become diabetic and you don't have it, you don't just develop it all of a sudden. Yeah. So these people were developing brand new retinopathy complications so not cute and i'm sorry is retinopathy blindness or vision disturbances am i blindness blindness okay okay you that scared of a fupa really (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) that's a muffin top worth not seeing (laughs) it can't be and honestly, like, I'm worried about people with type 2 diabetes. Honestly. <laughs> and, like, there was a threefold. I don't know how to get across how much, just because a small percentage sounds like the word small, like, it was statistically significant enough for them yeah. to report it. They are trying to make it sound palatable. 
it was a threefold increase in the rate of people getting this. Like, it matters how you look at data. <laughs> threefold is in 300%, correct? Yes. Right. So a 300% increase. Yeah, but I think the sample was just so big that they were like, but the percentage of people who wound up having it was small, but the chances of getting it went up 300% because there's already a chance when you're diabetic of getting, like, manipulative statistics. Pay attention so, to that uh, unit in school. <laughs> so I just, okay, imagine there's a saw room, just 100 diabetic people, mm-hmm. and originally one person was going to come out blind. And now they're like, three of you are going to come out blind. Are you going to play that fucking game? Literally. Like. Literally. That's exactly it. It's leading as hell. (laughs) Are you going to walk in that room and be like, you know what? Nah. Like, it went from one to three? No thanks. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Oh, literally. But yeah, these medications are designed to be taken by people who really, really need it. There are many unpleasant side effects, okay? (laughs) Like, it's not a game. (laughs) This is so unhinged. While we're here, though, in my research, I kept coming across this idea. Like, since these medications are used for obesity and diabetes, the websites kept being like, oh, for the treatment of these two chronic conditions for the treatment of these two chronic illnesses, like framing obesity as a chronic illness. So I feel like we should talk about that. <laughs> I just, yeah, and it's wild when you think about the way that people will talk about, oh, for every 10 pounds, you're X amount more likely to develop type two diabetes. Like people will talk about obesity and diabetes hand in hand mm-hmm. all the time. But the other thing is, too, I've been as high as I've been for a minute, and I'm not even pre-diabetic. Like, that's what I I want y'all to understand. I'm not even diabetic, and they suggested this. I'm not even pre-diabetic. Damn. And pre-diabetes is made up also. (laughs) There's that, too. So it's just like, I all for a BMI scale that we have all agreed is bullshit based off of something a Belgian mathematician created based on the Danish people over 100 years ago. Like, a mathematician. Like, not even a physician. Like We know mathematicians are famously not rooted in reality. They're, <laughs> they're not even allowed to get a Nobel Peace Prize. So. Literally, because they're so Delulu. Exactly. Their whole field is about being Delulu. They're just jerking off, doing number things that do nothing. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> just random roast mathematicians. <laughs> uh, is this the second episode we've done that? <laughs> yeah, and I just... I. What's wild about all of this, as I'm sitting here thinking, and like, you'll say something, I process it, I'm like, damn, how did we even get here? Because I remember you were like, oh, were they telling you diet and exercise specifically to lose weight? Because you were like, oh, there are physiological benefits to people who do those habits and get the blood flow going. And I'm like, no, they were saying they wanted me to lose weight, and here is why. I know that. It was by prescribing this medication. Wacky. And then you're like, I'm gonna do some research about that. And I'm just like, wow, like, I really, I think, have been gaslighting myself a little bit. I was like, were they really trying to tell me to lose weight? No, they wouldn't be that shitty, but dead ass. Like, that's no, what's you're happening. not diabetic. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I that's was... what that medicine is for. Ah. Literally, they were like, we're going to try to get you to stop eating so much by prescribing you something to decrease your appetite. Like, it's literally meant to be an appetite suppressor. 
do feel like this is a good segue to, I want to talk about nutrition. Ah! <laughs> I want to talk about nutrition a little bit, just because we have talked a lot about some nonsense, and I just want to remind us all what the facts are, what our bodies <laughs> need, and what makes them happy. So, firstly, food is fuel. So say it with me. I want you to repeat after me. All right, food is fuel. All right, now we're going to say it together. Food, food is fuel. fuel. Good job. All right. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with food because you need it to live. <laughs> <laughs> Calories are energy. They're a good thing. All right. So we're going to say it together. Repeat after me. Calories are energy. All right. Now we're going to say it together. Calories, Calories are, are energy. energy. Good job. Good job. Our physicists here might know that calories are literally a measure of energy. They're literally a unit of measurement, thermal energy. It is K-cups. And literally the way they discover the calories is like they'll burn it in like a furnace and see how many K-cows it produces. Like yeah. dead ass. It's like, yeah. how long did it keep this fire going? Like, <laughs> that's literally how they discover where the calories of food. <laughs> Because we're just kind of guessing that, like, it'll do that in our body. <laughs> I wish people understood how little scientists know. Like, that every surgery you go into, doctors are basically going in not knowing what they're, they're going to find. around. Literally, when you go into surgery, they're just looking around. They're like, they don't know what you're going to look like on the inside. No, they not at don't. all. They have no idea what they're going to encounter. Like, yep. oh, yep. <laughs> I could talk about my arm surgery and the way they fucked me over after that, too, of not knowing what they were doing. Like, ugh. that'd be a good episode, too. Oh, my God, child. Why is one third of my supinator muscle missing? But I digress. Well, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next macronutrients are necessary to live. What are macronutrients? I'm so glad you asked. So. <laughs> Macronutrients are carbs, fat, and protein. That means that the, the macro is big, right? You, we know what macro means. Those are the things, the biggest things that you need to be eating so that you can stay alive and have energy and fuel for your body. And I'm sorry, what was the one that started with F? Fats. Yeah, yeah. You need to eat it. You need to eat it to live. <laughs> <laughs> you can even eat it from animals. You can Whoa. eat whatever fat you want. <laughs> you need it to live. And like we can get into saturated, unsaturated fats, but that's not what we're here for today. <laughs> you need fats to live. Period. You can get fats from like nuts, seeds, milk, cheese, fish, mm -hmm. chicken with the skin on. Don't remove the skin unless you have a reason. <laughs> That's also some of the best part of the chicken. What's wrong with you? People just will strip themselves of joy because they're like, oh, now it's less fat. You need to eat the fat. <laughs> You're telling me you'd prefer skinless salmon? Get at it. No, you don't. I only ever eat skinless meat by accident. Like, it comes and I'm like, damn. <laughs> That's, it's literally one of the most disappointing things. <laughs> yeah. I remember when we got that bag of skinless salmon and, like, grieved for a minute. <laughs> We're like, we have to get through this whole day. Literally, <laughs> we eat all this stupid salmon. <laughs> oh my god. But yes. 
so you need all these things. And I feel like carbs and fat get villainized a lot. We are oh, yeah. talking so about what? that. <laughs> Most people be like, oh, I'm on a no-carb, no-fat diet. It's like, that's two of your macros. Yeah, like you literally need those. You're just eating protein. <laughs> Firstly, that's impossible. <laughs> Unless you're literally chugging protein powder that you made in water, which is, are you okay? <laughs> Like, that's not all right. Zed ass. <laughs> like, no cream, nothing. No almond milk, oat milk, something. We are literally omnivores. We are not carnivores. Like, we're not. Get out of here. We we're don't have the teeth not. for it. <laughs> just. And, like, there are lots of different ways that you can talk about this and, like, defend this to people, I feel like. But if you are scared of carbs and fats, already i don't think we can be talking to you i think you're a little too far gone (laughs) for me seek a therapist perhaps (laughs) but if you're open to new information it's really important to eat fats for lots of reasons mainly for your skin you need to eat fats for healthy skin Mm. you need to eat fats for healthy nerve function if you've ever been in a neuroscience class you know that shit's all about the fats in there Mm -hmm. okay lipids everywhere then myelin sheets be needing Mm -hmm. that honey Mm -hmm. and then if you have chronic pain myelin sheets are no joke like oh true that take some vitamin b6 and eat some (laughs) fat anyway (laughs) that right now go eat something fatty i dare you to go fry up a salmon right now Oh, <laughs> eat the skin. <laughs> With the skin. Oh, but yes, also fat-soluble nutrients. Do y'all know what fat-soluble nutrients are? Oh. It means that literally to absorb that nutrient, you need the fat to absorb these <laughs> nutrients or they will not absorb. Nutrients are a micro. <laughs> so like vitamin A, D, E, K. All of those are fat-soluble. If you're not consuming fat, you are also missing all of those nutrients. Have fun with the scurvy, I guess. <laughs> not the scurvy! <laughs> not the scurvy! Oh, no. They called your ass a pirate. Oh. <laughs> you are delusional. <laughs> but yeah, and carbs... <laughs> Carbs are like sugar, starches, and fiber. So your brain, fun fact, your brain and your red blood cells can only use carbs as fuel. Only carbs? Yep. So you're telling me you're stupid and in pain? <laughs> you want to eat carbs or Like, that's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And you know what? I know that you're not toned because you're probably not getting enough protein if you're scared of any protein with fat. It's true. Because they all have fat. Like, literally, even nuts and seeds. (laughs) Just what are you eating? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, you know, the your brain. Your brain literally needs the carbs. It literally needs it. 
And that's why when you're hungry and you eat, you immediately feel better. Like, you were depriving your brain of fuel. That is. Stop doing that <laughs> immediately. Wow. <laughs> this is unhinged. Mm-hmm. And then we know protein. 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 <laughs> Good for muscles, healing mm-hmm. the wounds. So you need macros. There's nothing wrong with calories. It's just a unit of energy. <laughs> Food is fuel and hydration is important. I don't need to elaborate much more on that. Yes. Be drinking water. Also, caffeine and alcohol are diuretic, so they are not hydration. They are the opposite of hydration. (laughs) All right. Uncaffeinated coffee, water, sparkling water. Decaf tea? Yes. As long as it's not caffeinated, because that's what makes that a diuretic. Right, right, right. the caffeine. So peppermint teas are yeah, peppermint tea. Oh, they're like naturally uncaffeinated teas is good too. Yeah. Mm. All right. That's the end of my educational spiel. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't want to leave us in a weird place after talking about an abused drug for dieting. You know, I just. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like if people just think about. You know, the building blocks of your nutrition. What you need to keep your vessel going. That's you know. all. Are you getting all these things? Probably not. I, I'll, I bet money that, that 80% of you listening right now have a whole unbalanced macro situation going on that you definitely need to address. That's true. And, and the- that has nothing to do with how much you're eating. It has everything to do with, like, the quality of what you're eating you yeah. know put good fuel in your vessel i just think like food is not only sensitive for people but it also gets very overwhelming mm-hmm. like even just talking about macros and breaking down like okay i'm eating this much protein a day this much fat this much carbs whatever and like looking at the grams and like yeah and then also you'll see people like villainizing processed food so people think they have to make all of these things from scratch it's like no that's not true true. it's not true at all there's literally a video i saw where this influencer was like i have a no processed food diet and then the first thing she eats was like a capsule what (laughs) and then the next thing was like a meal bar i was like girl and it's like is it ironic no she was dead fucking ass like so it's like people just process just means that somebody did the work for you already yeah that's all process means you might be saying no nitrates you might be saying no fried foods but Mm -hmm. processed foods could be helpful and can help cut down your labor and make it easier on you so you're not so overwhelmed i just don't understand how we got so far (laughs) and it doesn't mean you can't eat things that taste good like the clean diet nonsense that is bs like the way that i meal prepped like 10 jerk chicken thighs (laughs) and like that you can eat things that you enjoy. I feel like it's a myth to have a, a rainbow plate, like a oh. plate, a plate that's got everything you need. Realistically, it's really hard to get like an exact perfect proportion of what you need to eat on like a single plate. Like just aim to do it in a day. Yeah. Like get some protein in there. Eat some carbs too. Eat some fats. Yeah. Eat an avocado if you can. I miss avocado. 
I'm so psyched to be here. <laughs> like, like that. It's all good for you. Yeah. Just eat food and like the food that you eat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing all that research as crazy as some of that info was. <laughs> and like, you know, on some levels disheartening to learn, but definitely good to know about. And yeah, just, you know. If you walk away with anything today, doctors are not gods. Get a second opinion. Literally. Like. <laughs> they don't know everything. In fact, they probably know less than you do because you're the one living in your body. That. And even, like, working in pharmacy, too, I remember doctors being like, oh, give the patient the brand name drug for the generic price. And it's like, you have no idea how any of this works. No. Nope. Like, doctors dead ass do not understand how most things work. Get so close right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to hold your hand while I say this. <laughs> doctors do not understand most things going on in surgery, in pharmacy, in your body. I had a whole mom who was a doctor. I can tell you as somebody from every aspect, from mm-hmm. pharmacy tech to a child of a doctor they just have fancier words than you but they are usually just as clueless as you are i swear to fucking god like you know who generally actually knows stuff is people who have to retest in their industry like yes continuing education that they have to do doctors don't need to go get recertified yeah you know who does though pharmacists yes pharmacy techs yes pharmacy knows what they're talking about and they read the drug information that you were talking about yeah. in the prescription. Doctors do not. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when you go to the pharmacy and the little thing pops up on the screen that's like, do you want advice from the pharmacist? Like, you can say yes. The answer they is yes. You might be kind of surprised, but you can say yes and ask them questions. They definitely know more about that medication than your doctor does. Yes, 1,000%. They just really are, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for pharmacists, but also the whole industry at large is just so fucked. Like, yeah, pharmacy school is also hard. Child. Like, that's the hard. That's chemistry on chemistry on chemistry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. No, thank you. No. <laughs> I'll stay with my planets and my rounding. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, damn. For some biology haters, we're biology today. We're talking about nutrition. Ah! This is an anti-biology static alley. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Eat your macros. And, you know, eat carbs and fat. Yeah, eat some (laughs) fat. (laughs) Woo! Thanks for joining us for another episode. Think you can handle more? Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coming Out Evil. Our website also has merch, sources, and our original villainy workbook available to download. Check it out at allmylinks.com slash comingoutevil. You can support our evil doing on Patreon, where patrons get exclusive access to bloopers, extended cuts, live streams, and so much more. You can also tip us on Cash App at Yeehaw Howdy and Mixedusa. Stay evil and we'll see you next time. What do you think of this episode? Leave a review.